0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standig Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for the Athletic, which means I was in Dallas, in Jerry World for Sunday's Commanders-Cowboys game. And as you know by now, the Commanders came up on the losing end 25-10, to falling to 1-3, a frustrating day again for the offense. Um, not to mention penalties on both sides of the ball. I'll give you some takeaways from that, from the locker room and a bunch more. Um, uh, in addition to that, I spoke the other day with Brandon Marshall. Yes. The former Broncos wide receiver turned analyst for inside the NFL and the I am athlete podcast. The, uh, podcast is coming to DC next week. Uh, Actually, when I say next week, I really mean this week. (laughs) They're going to be October 6th at the City Winery in D.C. 8 o'clock show. Brandon Marshall, uh, Shady McCoy, Pac-Man Jones are the host of this podcast. So you can uh, check that out uh, on the the uh, City Winery D.C. website. But we'll talk more about it when I get to Brandon. Uh, Brandon and I talked. We talked before. This game, uh, we talked about where he thinks, what he thinks about Terry McLaurin relative to the other receivers in this league. And what do athletes talk to him? What do they say about playing for the commanders? Obviously, you know, you listen to their podcast. They talk to a lot of guys around the league. So it was interesting to get that insight. Anyway, it was a fun conversation with Brandon Marshall. I'll get to that after some thoughts here on this game. Of course, I also wrote on this game. You can go check that out on the athletic and of course if you're not yet uh subscribing to this podcast please do so anywhere you do your podcasting itunes spotify and the athletic app for sure all right i'm just gonna do this solo i'm just gonna get to a few things here and we'll move on we're gonna talk obviously more later this week jay gruden will be on with me uh as you know midweek as has now been the regular situation and we'll have some other guests as well um Look, it is only week four, and for those who are out there who are believers no matter what, I hear you. I hear you. Washington is 1-3. and three. They're at least two games now behind of every other team in the division. Again, still early, but they are 0-2 and 2 in the division. That said, and I, and I started to talk about this a bit over the last week or so, and that is, in order for this team to go up another level, two things needed to happen this year. Number one, I shouldn't say number one, but one of them is the defense needed to be, instead of being at the bottom five of the league last year, needed to be at least middle of the pack. Uh, they're not there yet, but okay. They played a better game today. They've been better the last couple of weeks. And, you know, I'm not going to put this on the, this loss on the defense, despite, you know, there, there's always some things and we'll get to William Jackson and a couple other things in a minute. The other thing that needed to happen was Carson Wentz needed to be good. And when you go – for me, where, where I where I look at this, and I have not watched back the replay of the game, let alone the All-22, which won't come out for another day or two. Whatever happened in this game, it's not even. – I'm not even like completely like worked up over certain play calls, even though, um, you know, look, I mean, I think Washington did a pretty good job. The running game got going. The offensive line, not great, but you know, only two sacks allowed rather than the nine from last week, all that stuff. But I go back to the trade and why Washington did what they did. I understood the reasoning at the time, particularly because of what Ron Rivera had a quarterback his first two years here. In a league in which, if you don't have at least a pretty good quarterback, forget Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, just even a, a, a decent, solid quarterback, you know, you kind of don't have much of a chance. Right. And by and large, they didn't have that the previous two years. And you go into year three. This wasn't a great draft, as we know. What are you going to do Right? again? Kind of wait. OK, so they made the move for Wentz and Wentz. Talent-wise, is an upgrade over what they had. He's got the big arm. The touchdown pass you through to John Dotton today, absolutely a beautiful throw. And we've seen him make some dynamic throws this season. But I never loved the cost that Washington uh, uh, spent to get Wentz, both in terms of the picks and taking on the complete salary and salary cap, $28.3 million this year. But as Ron Rivera said often, nobody will care as long as it works out. And while it is still too early to say it's not going to work out, we are seeing more and more the concerns that people from Indianapolis and Philadelphia told everybody about um, back when he played for those teams. The one in particular that I find jarring is... His uh, struggles in the pocket, his pocket awareness when pressure builds up around him. Too many times he holds onto the ball too long, um, and from that leads to sacks. Or in today's case, he avoided a couple sacks with by throwing it away, leading to two intentional groundings, which obviously don't help the cause either. And, you know, sure, the offensive line has issues. They made a change today, in fact, which we'll get to in a minute. And they're on their third center in three games. Third starting center in three games. That's not ideal. But if you're going to bring in Carson Wentz and you're going to make the move to get him. I already wrote this the other day about how I don't think they did enough once they got the Wentz trade to help support him, let alone depth on defense and things like that. But... If you're going to treat him like a stopgap, like they have the last couple of years, like a quarterback who you have to completely game plan game plan around to limit their exposure, which is seems like what part of what happened today. You, you know, yes, Dallas's uh, defense and pass rush is really good, and after what we saw last week, both from the Commanders and what the Cowboys did against the Giants, there was reason to be concerned about how the offensive line would handle um, Dallas today. And look, the run game worked. The again, I mentioned, you know, there were some there was pressure for sure, but it wasn't as overwhelming as it was last week, et cetera. But they play, they, they they seem to game plan for him almost like they were trying to hide him or meet or limit him and and all in all that. And to me, that is what is just what is frustrating and very worrisome because. In order for this to succeed, Carson Wentz, he's not going to change. He's not going to suddenly become a game manager the way we've talked about Alex Smith and others. He is an aggressive guy by nature, and this is, you know, but his ups and downs are his ups and downs. And they seem to today to be more worried about how to hide him than they were about how to put have, help him push the ball down the field. And to me, the most glaring example was the end of the first half. Dallas is driving, ultimately a 15-play drive that ends in a Michael Gallup touchdown. Okay. Near the end of that drive, they're inside the red zone with under two minutes to go. There's a penalty on Dallas, and Washington was given the choice, by, the, according to what the referee said, to take a 10-second runoff. They declined. Now, that makes sense if you're going to then take the ball. Hopefully you have some time. And try to score. Now, Dallas did get the touchdown. But Washington had a minute and four left with two timeouts. They, the, 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 there was a touchback, the ball to 25. That is plenty of time to score. Uh, to get in the field goal range, at least. If you're a professional quarterback, right? But what did Washington do? They ran J.D. McKissick on first down. Fine. Three yards. But then they didn't run another play for 30-something, I think 36 seconds. And ultimately... Three plays later, Carson Wentz throws um, an interception deep down the field. Forget the turnover for a second, but the fact that they weren't even really trying to move the ball, to me, is the issue. And that is the point of when I say that like it felt like they were trying to hide Carson Wentz too much. Now, he is turnover prone. He may give up sacks. right? His quarterback rating at 101 week one against Jacksonville has gone down week over week. Since then, to a 56 today in this game, th- they've got a. The, they obviously have to find ways to make him more effective, but they, if they're trying to hide him, then this is a problem. Because you, if you were just going to try to hide this guy, you know, you could have just stayed with Taylor Heineke or signed Mitch Trubisky and not caught, given up draft picks, or, you know, m- maybe not you, Sam Howe, but, you know, take another take a quarterback earlier in the draft and et cetera. And I'm not saying they should have done those things. I'm just saying if they're not if they're not putting Carson Wentz in the position to be the full throated guy he is, then this is a problem. Because even if he's going to make mistakes, he still is capable of making the the, the the really impressive throws. And today felt like a game in which they were doing their best to limit that. Now Wentz again wasn't particularly great. Twenty five of forty two 170 yards one touchdown, two interceptions. Um, He took only two sacks today, which is, you know, better than the nine. But as I mentioned, he had the two intentional grounding plays to avoid the pass rush. And at least on one of them, Michael Parsons burst uh, into his face. He, He quickly, he evaded that and should have at that point thrown the ball away. But instead, he kind of you know, kept doing what he does. He, he's looking to make a play, which is noble. But at some point, you have to understand. You got to live, you know, live the fight the next the next snap. And too often, he's not doing that. Furthermore, you know, Terry McLaurin today, he did have a catch in the first half. Yeah, two, actually, which doubled his output through three games. But that was only two catches he had on six targets. Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Taylor Heineke from the perspective of the potential and the upside and the, this raw talent. But at least Taylor Heineke last year, because of the way he plays, he, he doesn't have the biggest arm, but he gave his teammates, he gave his receivers a chance to make plays. I remember that Atlanta game last year. You know, he threw a, a, a play to Terry McLaurin, which was not a, 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 a it was probably an ill-advised throw into the end zone, but McLaurin made the play. This is why you pay him the money you pay him. This is why you paid Curtis Samuel. This is why you drafted Jahan Dotson, who, by the way, another spectacular move on the touchdown catch he had in the first half, which gave Washington a a, a seven to six lead and was their first points in the first half since um, week one. So that was some, some good news there, but Wentz does not he he while he's aggressive he's 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 also takes you know one of the knocks has been that he takes too long to throw to to his players that he really like doesn't anticipate it as well as other quarterbacks and therefore once he either waits too long thus allowing the defensive backs to get in position or the pass rush gets to him I don't know if I've ever said this before on the podcast but something I brought up at training camp on the side with some you know various people. Was that look? You watch Wentz in practice, and you obviously can see why Washington would want him and from from the perspective of if you're trying to get a, a, a you know put, put give yourself a, a quarterback who can make the necessary throws that that star quarterbacks make. So from like a season long perspective, Wentz made sense. But what I maintained throughout having why after watching Wentz for for several practices was that if I had to win a game tomorrow. that I think I would go with Taylor Heineke. And it's partly also because I think Taylor Heineke, just the way he plays, seems to inspire more more confidence from from people. I'm not saying that people don't have confidence in Wentz. I'm just saying sort of by Heineke's, like, you know, draw up the play in the dirt and figure out a way to get something done aspect. Um, I'm not calling for Taylor Heineke to start. I'm not saying Wentz should be benched. I am saying that, I am curious where Washington is at. If, if it, I don't know that they would remotely feel the same way that I, what, uh, that, that I do with what I just said, that if I had to win a game tomorrow, I think I would rather use Heineke. But it's to say at one and three, and with where things are going with this offense, uh, the next week they play the Tennessee Titans, who won uh, today over the Colts. It's interesting, right? Because at one and three, clearly you guys are getting restless. Totally get it. And you know things are not improving. If you lose next week to the Titans, you know this season is starting to spiral. I know last year they were two and six and rallied to six and six. And Rivera teams tend to get better as the season play, goes along, and that's all true and fair and fine. Um, but ultimately, we're not just talking about getting better. We're talking about winning. They need to, They have both the issue of needing to stop the bleeding now, and also how do you win big? going forward and I don't know how to answer either of those questions definitively obviously they don't either or they would so I, I think this is a really interesting time to see what happens here with Carson Wentz again I'm not I have no sense that there's even a hint of of thought of, of, of making a change and I'm only I'm not even suggesting at all that they should probably reckless for me to even mention what I said about if I had to win a game that a Heineke might be the way I would go but at the same time if they're going to limit what Wentz is doing, tried to hide him to some degree, which the way it felt like they did today, that is already to me a fail because they didn't have to give up all those picks and take on all that money to have another guy to have a guy that could do that. This is supposed to be a difference maker. We saw it in week one. We saw it in the second half against Detroit. The throws he can still make some great throws, but they need more. There's no doubt about that. All right, let me let me get to some other things here because it wasn't just about Carson Wentz today. Eleven penalties for over 130 yards is obviously a mess. Uh, John Allen said, you know, after the game that, you know, okay, we're not going to blame the penalties for the loss, but at the same point, he thought the ref the the, the officiating was atrocious. Uh, You know Rivera said he thought he 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 wanted to go back and look at a few things to see what he thought uh, on some of those penalty calls. He he uh, William Jackson had not one not two but three penalties, including two pass interference calls. One of them was pretty blatant. Uh, He and Kendall Fuller somehow ended up on on the same receiver at the end of the play, and Fuller is in position to make a play, but, uh, he slips a little bit, but anyway, William Jackson comes over the top and gets his hands all over the, the receiver up by the head, got the penalty call there. Jackson also got beat on a CD lamb touchdown. He told me uh, in the locker room, uh, after the game that he was anticipating having safety help deep. So he was taking more, uh, he was covering more to the outside. But lamb made a really nice, uh, move, to, to push Jackson further towards the sideline, then cut up the seam. Nobody was there, and a touchdown, um, you know, not good either way. And obviously with Jackson, you know, it's more. It, it feels like it's a bit more of the same to the early version of him we saw at the beginning of last year. He did play this game after sitting out uh, last week with a back injury. Uh, but, you know, obviously not his best showing, to say the least. Um, Trey Turner, I alluded to this earlier, Trey Turner was benched in the first half. As he continues to have struggles, um, they put in Sadiq Charles at right guard. Meanwhile, at center, you had Nick Martin starting, third center in three games, one of the two sacks on Wentz. Martin, I guess, got uh, crossed up with um, the other lineman and just completely abandoned the middle. Neville Gallimore went right up the middle straight to Wentz and got him. But, you know, Wentz seemed to say that Martin was, you know, pretty good from a... um, you know, communication process, and, and obviously we'll have to see how the tape looks as well. West Schweitzer, of course, went on IR this week, meaning that that led to having to use Martin, who they just signed a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Tyler Larson is supposed to be activated from the pup list this week. I don't know if that means he will be ready to play <laughs> if he is, and that would be a fourth center. Uh, but obviously he is a little more known quantity in that position, regardless of... The offensive line has concerns. Now, again, on a positive note, the run game worked today. 142 yards on 27 carries, 5.3 yards a carry. Gibson, Jonathan Williams, and J.D. McKissick all had at least 40 yards. Uh, Williams in particular, uh, 9.6 yards a carry on five uh, carries. And, and McKissick averaged five as well, 3.8 for Gibson on 13 carries. Um the grind game worked, and that's why like, I don't want to just sit here and say the offensive line was kind of a mess. I mean, look, again, there's clearly a and questions, but I thought in general they did a little bit better. Rivera said uh, as much as well, but, um, you know, there's still concerns. And by the way, speaking of the run game, there seemed to be a few times where T- Dallas was basically putting seven or eight guys in the box and saying— We're willing to let Wentz beat us deep. And Washington didn't seem to be audibling out of those spots. It was at least one time in the early in the fourth quarter um, after Dallas' second touchdown, the the Lamb touchdown, where where, where Gibson ran for no yards on like third and three or third and four. It looked to me like an obvious situation where you audible out, but they didn't. I asked Rivera to what degree auto- Wentz has autonomy to do things like that, and he basically said it's it's about reading your progressions, and that you know depending on what the quarterback sees, he has you know he can kind of do what he needs to do. Um, but he didn't do that there, and um, you know again the run game worked today. As, a, as you know, we talked we, we talked last week about how they they maybe went away from the run a bit much. You know The play action is not going to work if the other team doesn't even uh, believe you're going to try to run. They did today plenty, but needless to say, they didn't get enough else uh, from the offense. Um, On on a positive note, I think John Allen had a really good game. He had a sack, four quarterback hits at the career high, and a pass deflection. I mentioned the run game, uh, 142 yards total on the ground, 137 from the running backs, 5.3 yards a carry. Uh, Dotson made a really nice move on that touchdown he did leave the game for a little bit in the second half with a hamstring injury he said that um he had he had some cramps um and he did go back in at one point but then they told him to to sit so we'll have to see how you know if there's any concerns there going forward um other than that i mean like i said i need to go back and watch the tape haven't had a chance to do any of that yet um I thought the defense largely did pretty good today. You know, again, this is like the second or third game in a row where the defense starts off pretty strong. I mean, they held Dallas to a couple field goals. Dallas wasn't really doing a ton. I mean, Dallas didn't play particularly great today. Uh, I didn't even mention Cooper Rush. I mean, Cooper Rush, you know, 4-0 as a starter. Um, You know, he he was good. I mean, it wasn't great, but he was good. Um, And Washington, you know, at times did some good things to, to slow him down. Unfortunately, the two times that Washington scored on offense, Dallas immediately scored on the subsequent possession. And, you know, that's part of what Rivera is talking about, not being able to sustain um, good play momentum. That's part of what you're talking about, you know, uh, and the defense didn't hold on those spots. In any event, um, we'll see what happens this week uh, at 10 or sorry, they're hosting Tennessee. Sunday at FedEx Field. I, of course, will be out there for that. They have got to figure out, you know, Rivera talked last week about not having an identity. Uh, That still may be the case, but I think part of the problem is they've got to figure out a way to maximize Carson Wentz rather than hide him. They didn't, you know, they didn't trade those picks and spend that money to have a guy who they're going to treat like the last several quarterbacks that they've had he may not be able to do some of the things they want, but if they're not going for the upside, then this is not going to be fun. In any event, we'll see what happens against the Titans um, this week. We'll see what Rivera uh, will talk to the media on Monday afternoon. And then of course, obviously practice starting on Wednesday. So season's still early, but (laughs) you know, not, not great, Bob, not great, Bob. Um, All right. Um, Let's do this. Brandon Marshall, as I said, I spoke with him before this game, a really interesting conversation, his view of Terry McLaurin and the top receivers. We talked about cuz this was, we talked it was right after the Tua iola concussion situation on Thursday. We talked about that as, you know, what players think about when they're dealing with concussions and, you know, were, you know, salary comes into play things like that um and of course also talked about what players around the league say about playing for the commanders and dan snyder i thought it was a really interesting comment what marshall had to say let's get to that right now here on the standard Groom only podcast all right i often say you know we've got a great guest and it's exciting to talk to them but this time i actually mean it because this guy not only is he one of the best receivers to uh, play in the league in, in in a long time. He's a, a great analyst on Inside the NFL. He's, he is, of course, the founder of the I Am Athlete podcast, which is coming to D.C., but for me personally, he was the star of two of my fantasy football teams that won titles, so this is really exciting to talk to the great Brandon Marshall. I, I, pre- I appreciate the time.
1: No, I appreciate you having me on, man. Uh, it's pretty cool to be able to jump on these platforms, right? That's what I am athlete is. You know, we can tell our own stories, you know, and uh, it's a blessing.
0: Well, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that because not only do you have this podcast, which I know is very popular, but you are actually doing a live taping of it in different cities around the country, including uh, Thursday, October 6th at the City Winery in DC. So I wanna ask about that and we'll talk about how people can get uh get there to see you guys do that it's you and uh LeSean mccoy and pacman jones uh quite quite the group but i i'm curious like how did you kind of decide to get into this sort of uh broadcasting podcasting world uh following your career well
1: that will take forever <laughs> um i actually started while i was playing i always tell athletes or not athletes when people at, used to ask me when i was playing like hey b what are you going to do when you're done? I'll always look at them and say, I'm already doing it, right? Right around year five, year six is when I believe our athletes should be thinking about the transition because you sh- you're not going to be able to play, you know, forever. And sometimes a game is taken away from you like that. So in the prime of your career is when we should probably be looking at, you know, really launching whatever it is that we want to transition to. So right around year five, year six, I started on radio, you know, then I started, uh, Doing local local stuff with uh, you know Sunday Sunday shows and then I got into inside the NFL which was un- unexpected and it just took off from there and I spent three months at Harvard building out this case study on transition um, and that's how I got to the point to where I were where I was halfway through my career.
0: Gotcha. Well, I mean it's good to always plan. I just listened to your. One of your new episodes this week about uh, a lot of it had to do with like Tua Tunga Viola getting passed, supposedly, I guess, for con- for, uh, for a potential concussion during the game. And then you and LaShawn talked about the injuries that you played through. You specifically talked about a concussion that you played through when you were at a game here in Washington, ironically, and just the, 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 the challenges of that and sort of the, the decisions that you guys have to make as athletes. The health versus the money kind of deal, so it's really a compelling listen. And for those who haven't had a chance to listen, uh, I encourage you to do so. And it's serious, but also you guys have clearly a lot of fun uh, busting balls and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I was playing in in in, uh, in Denver, came across the middle in Washington, got my bell wrong. Yeah, so that was a, a interesting conversation that we had on the, on the platform.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll encourage everybody to go listen to that. Do you remember, by the way, which player it was on Washington that that hit you? Uh, hell, I was concussed. <laughs> <laughs> as, as I was asking, I thought that could be the answer. There it was. No,
1: uh, no, I don't remember. Uh, but it was a, it was a, it was a big time hit. And I never took hits like that when I was playing. I was always smart and aware of what was going on around me, and I played the game smart. You know, I was expecting Selvin Young a running back to come out the backfield and, and pick him. And he just missed it. He just totally whiffed. And, uh, you know, that's that's what happens when you trust your teammates.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I I hear you. Obviously, in your sport, trust is a huge factor uh, considering the, uh, you know, the, the the violent nature of the sport and everything you guys uh, go through. Um, I, I know I don't have you for a ton of time, so let me just jump into – to pick your inside the NFL brain with regards to the commanders. I'm sure you must have some thoughts about what you've seen with these guys through three weeks. It's been an up and down journey. Not so good last week against the Eagles. What's your just sort of broad take on, uh, on Washington these days.
1: It's not very good right now. I mean, it's just, it's not good. You know, you got a new quarterback. I actually like Carson Wentz. I think uh, when you, had the start to your career, have the career that he's had, um, you know, there's some things that you have to get over mentally, right? Uh, and also when you come into a new team and a new environment, you know, you feel like all eyes are on you, everybody's watching you, and, you know, that can be tough. So you really got to have a FU mentality to actually get over, you know, some of the early pitfalls and challenges uh, just to get back to that high level of play. Um, just not a very good team right now, and Philly's playing really well. Dallas is playing really well, but it's also a long season. You know, Coach uh, Rivera is a phenomenal head coach, so there's no problems there. The philosophy is good. They just need to continue to work their process and um, see what happens. You know, as the 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 course of the season, you know, plays out.
0: You know, obviously, it's still early in the year, so we'll see what happens with them. Big game this week, of course, against Dallas. But I'm just curious. You, you talk, you guys talk very candidly on your podcast on a lot of different topics. On the topic of Washington as a player, if you are a free agent, or if you talk to guys in the league about different teams, I'm sure in different situations to play for, what's the thought for you? And then maybe what you've heard from guys around the league about the idea of playing for Washington, considering I don't know if you've heard this, Brandon. They're in the news quite a bit for off-the-field matters that are not right. always the best. What, what's what's the view of, like, for guys around the league in terms of playing for Washington?
1: I don't know. We never talk about it. It's just not an attractive destination, you know? So, you know, I, I've literally never had a conversation um, with any athlete about playing uh, in Washington. And that's sad because Washington – Is a freaking phenomenal city. Washington has phenomenal fans. It's just the organization just can't get out of their own way. And I I do like uh, Coach Rivera. I like the new regime there. Uh, You know, it's going to take some time. But it just starts with Daniel Snyder. Like, Daniel Snyder is just – he hasn't been a great owner. He's not a great owner. The city – just imagine. Just imagine if they had a great – a good football team. That place would be rocking. It'd be a perfect destination for an athlete to come. There's so much to, the, 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 just the life outside of ball, the opportunities and business there. It's one of the greatest cities in the world, but from a football standpoint, just not very good.
0: No, to, to that's that, that that is a fair assessment of the situation. As a receiver, if you were facing a free agent situation, what do you, what is? I mean, let's assume the money is relatively same in similar spots if, if you're looking at it do you look would you look at it more like what's the quarterback situation what's the offensive coordinator or does that ownership thing that we're talking about here with the dan snyder does that weigh on you more than those other components it would be maybe the normal uh things to consider
1: i think the more sophisticated athlete looks at that right because it's a trickle down effect, and a lot of times and when i say sophisticated athlete i mean guys that are looking at you know well how how's the next 10 years of my career going to play out? No, there's not too many guys that can think that way. It's a very volatile sport. So that's why you see a lot of quarterbacks be very strategic in how they operate and how they do their business, right? Because, you know, quarterbacks can play a long time. Everybody else, you're it, it could be over just like that. Not saying the quarterback's position, you know, it's not volatile as well. Um, but they have – typically have more power. Um, I think it's 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 definitely – Uh, about the head coach Uh, general manager plays a big part in that. Um, And then the quarterback, right? Like I'm looking at, if I'm being honest, I'm looking at the quarterback position. I'm looking at the offensive coordinator. So I'm starting there first on the field. Then you work your way up. Um, Guys want to be in position to be able to produce, you know, sometimes you can have bad ownership, but you know, the quarterback, the offensive coordinator, the philosophies is good. So you know, it's a win for
0: them. Yeah, no, for, for sure. So Washington was able to, They, I mean, I, I would curious your view of Washington's receiving core. It is probably the strength of this team with Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson, and Curtis Samuel. Um, I saw recently that you had, I think you were on with uh, Good Morning Football, and you, you had your top five wide receivers currently in the league. Uh At least, at least this was at the start of the year. You Devontae Adams. Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans. Certainly a good list. No arguments there. I'm curious, though, where, where does Terry McLaurin rank for you um, in sort of that hierarchy of receivers? Because on the one hand, he's been impressive, but his stats may be lack compared to others. On the other hand, he he's never had a quarterback the way like the guys I played with for, for Rodgers and Mahomes. So how do you kind of view McLaurin uh, relative to the other top receivers?
1: Oh, he's uh, he's special. It's all about situation, man. It's about quarterback. It's about offense, uh, uh, offensive coordinator. It's about offensive line protecting, right? Like I always say, the wide receiver, like our our success is in the hands of everybody else. You know, I need the offensive coordinator to make the right call. I need the quarterback uh to go through his progressions the right way to see it. Offensive line got to pick it up, right? There's so much. It goes into play uh, when it comes to the wide receiver success. Uh, He's one of the best wide receivers uh, in the league. He's a premier. Sorry. He's a premier wide receiver. Um, This dude is the real deal. Um, I love this game going back to college. You know, Um, I love his game. So I would put him, you know, uh, you know, easily in the top 10 if he was in the right situation.
0: There's always this notion of like who's a wide receiver. One, I'm not saying, just saying this because you're here. You were clearly one of those guys, you were a power forward kind of receiver where you would just seem to will yourself to make plays when needed. Uh, McLaurin's a very good player. Some people don't know, think, view him in those terms. Does that term even mean anything to a wide receiver, or and if so, does Terry where does Terry McLaurin sort of his style fit in to that notion? Um. I think he
1: can be. Again, it goes back to situation. You know, number one receiver to me is someone that can win consistently versus one-on-one coverage. That's what it's about. And I'm betting my money on on him. You know, if you line up any DB against him and it's 10 one-on-ones, I don't think anybody in the league can stop him. You know, I like him 70 80% of the time. That's a number one receiver. Actually, number one receiver is like yeah, about 70, 80%. I'm winning that one-on-one matchup.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um, have you had a chance? John Dodson's only played three games at the point we're talking. Have you had a chance to see much of him? He, and if so he's
1: balling. he's balling. He's he's uh he's special too, you know, still early. Let's see how things play out. But he has the ability um, to really threaten a lot of people in his league.
0: Okay, Um, and so like we said, you guys are going to be at the City Winery, October 6, uh, 8 p.m., a live interactive taping of the pod uh, for people who want to come out. Tell them what is going to be happening there, uh, other than the fact that you and LaShawn and and Pac-Man are going to be in person. What 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 should people kind of expect if they want to come out?
1: Yeah, uh, man, it's going to be special. I was scared shitless. uh, Our first one in New York didn't know what to expect. Never did anything like this before. And I have to say it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. I think the audience, you know, their feedback and so you can see some of that on our social channel. Um, they they were, uh, you know, so excited. They had such a great time. Um, it was a special night and I expect the same thing in D.C. You know, we have a, a huge following there. So tickets are going uh, quickly. Um You know, we'll have a bunch of the athletes, local athletes in the crowd. We'll have a few to join the show. We'll have a live performance, surprise performance. Um, It's going to be a great conversation. We're going to talk about all the hot topics. We'll have DJ Clue there. Uh, It's just going to be a dope vibe wine and food. If you want to come out and drink, and, you know, doors open up at six. So if you want to come and do a little date night with a lady and eat before the show starts, it's going to be 90 minutes of pure comedy and, and, and maybe we'll get some some a few tears here and there so everybody want to come out and support go to imathlete tv.com backslash, backslash. Uh, i a a tour backslash
0: i like that you're promoting not just talking football but you're promoting you know true love people come out you know date night you know get their romance on top with brandon marshall and pacman jones obviously that makes so much sense all
1: right buddy thanks for having me man
0: brandon i appreciate it thanks so much
1: All right, peace.